I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the internet's most popular health and fitness podcast ever, the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Matt, I am one of the hosts of this show. One of means I'm not the only one. I've got someone here with me. I'm here. Okay, so it's good to know that you're here. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Courtney, and I am the actual host of the Weight Loss Podcast. <laughs> Is that a fact? I just let Matt do the intro today because I was feeling generous. Well, okay, now that we've established the natural order of things, <laughs> yes, indeed, that is Courtney, uh, uh, the host of the show. Yep, that's me. The Batman to my Robin. Yes, so, thank you for allowing me on your show. You're welcome. Courtney and I are a husband and wife couple. Some might say a dynamic duo. <laughs> Some might actually say Batman and Robin. <laughs> We're apparently your Batman. I am Batman. And sure. apparently I'm Robin. For sure I am Batman. Well, we have what I think, and that's what counts, a, an interesting topic to discuss with this episode... Courtney and I, as we have probably established once or twice in the past 78 episodes of this show, Courtney and I are personal trainers. We do this for a living, not just with ourselves, but with others. However, I have to say that with, with what we do for a living, it comes with assumptions. Hmm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and list all of those assumptions because that will be the episode done by itself. The particular assumption that we want to address today relates to training, exercise, all that good stuff we do in the gym, sometimes out of the gym, and the assumptions that are made that because we're PTs, we must live in the gym. Hmm. We must be the fittest, strongest people on earth, and it's always come easy to us. Does that sound about right? Yeah, right. So you would say, Courtney, that it's always, exercise has always been easy to you. You've always been good at it. You've always been super strong. You've always been super fit. I would love to say yes, but I would be lying. Or we could say that is false. False. So, we're, Courtney and I are going to have a discussion that we would like you to be a part of and, I guess, listen in on us. <laughs> That's not awkward. No. <laughs> we're, we're going to do a bit of a case study on Courtney in particular and her training routines since she first started, well, since her and I first met. Because, as I said before, the assumption is that Courtney would exercise, as a PT, would exercise her ass off and would be in the gym, you know, seven, eight, nine days a week, two, three, four sessions a day, yeah? Yes. Not the case. No. So, as any good trainer should do, I have kept records the entire time of Courtney's training programs. Since day one. Mm. Now, from a trainer's perspective, I can tell you that comes in handy just because, well, one, keeping information is only going to help. 
because it shows you where you're going, where you've come from, etc. And you can actually use it as part of measuring your progress. Mm. Also helps if in the case, and I'm sure you can relate to this because I think, well, no, I can. I'm pretty sure Courtney can too. It isn't unusual for people to, let's say, go off the wagon. And sometimes we want to get back on the wagon. And often that can involve, well, okay, I'm going to have a crack at this again and see if I can make it stick. Where do I start? Having information on what you've done for your training can be rather useful in informing what you're going to do next or where you should pick the ball back up mm. in some cases. So what in, I will say from, a, from the trainer's perspective with Courtney, she's been extremely diligent since we, we first met in that she's really built up her consistency of her training as well as with that consistency then comes the quality. Hmm. So she hasn't fallen off the wagon as far as that's concerned and it's been very easy to manage and track what she's been doing, which then gives us information on what her body likes, hmm. what it responds well to um, in terms of you know, recovery, energy levels, performance, etc., so let's take it. Well, I shall probably say this might be a bit of a, a bit of a dry discussion because Courtney's going to talk about this from her perspective as Courtney, which I suppose is the best perspective you could have. <laughs> Funny that. I will be talking from the perspective as the dude who writes up her training programs. So where necessary, I can sort of give my logic on decisions that were made, why we've done certain things, etc where Courtney gives the perspective of the chick who has to do it. Yeah, pretty much. So let's go back to the beginning, dear. When, around when you and I first met, can I ask you, so you and I first meet, we have our consultation and I drop on you that you are a bit of an under-eater. Yes. So that was a shock as we've discussed before that we won't get into that much at all because it's not relevant to this discussion. But... During that time when when we were starting to sort of set set things up for yourself, can I ask you, did you have any expectations on what your exercise with me would be? Yeah, I, I definitely thought it was going to be more cardio-based. Why is that? Because I think that that's just what I had seen in terms of watching other trainers work with their clients in the gym. Um, and not only that, I think it's just uh, impacted by uh, visual um, marketing things, you know, in magazines, um, on, on TV. So I think you sort of, you have those things in the back of your mind and you just think that that's the way that trainers do things. So yeah, I definitely thought it would be more cardio based, not necessarily just going out for a run, but I thought it would be involve more of a sort of cardio circuit style stuff. Could that have also been influenced by what your exercise routine was before we met? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think as well, I had worked with a, I'm going to say worked with the trainer. It was really just a, the husband um, of a girl I was working with um, a couple of years before we met Matt. He was a trainer and he would do some stuff from home. So I would sometimes go and work out there. It wasn't like a regular thing. And whenever I did go out and work out with him, it was sort of a, um, I wouldn't even say half weights, half cardio. It was just sort of like a, a circuit sort of cardio thing. 
going on. So I just Is that assumed, the technical term? The circuit yeah. sort of cardio thing? Yeah, you know what I mean though. Like it doesn't necessarily include weight training, but there are some weights involved. But they're used, Aerobic based. Yeah, they're used more, they're light and they're used more in a, in a cardio style Aerobic. thing. Aerobic, I guess yeah. So that is just how I always thought that trainers worked. Um, and so when I went in to meet with you, that is in the back of my mind what I thought that we would be doing. All right. And at the time then, can I ask if you can try and remember back then, what were what were your thoughts on weight training back then? I didn't really have many. <laughs> I don't really think about it. Any assumptions though? Oh, I, I pretty probably just assumed that, that mostly boys did weight training. Why is that? Um, because that's who I would see at the gym in the weight training area. Um, I didn't, I, see, I saw, maybe it was just the time I went to the gym. Um, I just saw very, very few women in that area. And yeah, so I just assumed that it was people either doing sort of bodybuilding style stuff or it was just boys like tradies would go to the gym um, and do the weight training stuff. So yeah, I didn't really think about it that much. The gym that I was a member at at the time I met you, Matt, mm. um, you remember that they had the cardio and the weight training areas in separate areas of the gym. So it wasn't yeah. sort of like all in the one space. There was actually a wall between the cardio and the weight training areas. So the only reason I'd even go into the weight training areas, because that's where the water fountain was to fill up my drink bottle. Mm. Um, and it was where the bathrooms were. So you would have to go through there, obviously go to the bathroom. But that's really the only reasons I'd even walk through there to even think about like looking at the weights at all. Otherwise, I would never have even looked at them because the cardio area was right next to the entry. So I would just come in, I would go straight there and I would just do my workout and go home. And what was your workout? Treadmill. Okay, you want to just be vague or go into some detail on oh, how Oh, I would works. walk on the treadmill. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'd get up to a jog, you know, if I felt so inclined. Um, but... <laughs> Which, did you feel that inclined much? No. Um, but yeah, so I, I would sometimes do a, do a little bit of a jog, but most of the time it was walking on the treadmill. Sometimes I would do the exercise bike. Um, I didn't do the cross trainer very often at all. Um, I pretty much stayed with the treadmill and the exercise bike. The thing with me was as well, I was embarrassed. I would, I had low, very low self-esteem. I had very low self-confidence and I would feel constantly when I went into the gym that people were watching me and I didn't then want to step onto a machine that I didn't know how to do, work it because I felt like then I would be embarrassed because obviously everyone in the gym was watching me and I would I would feel embarrassed so I would really only stick to those two uh, pieces of equipment because I knew how to work them. It sounds like there's a bit of a fear of making a mistake. Oh yeah definitely. Okay so then when I dropped on you that we were going to start with weight training and make that the focus and the cornerstone of your program, do you recall what your thoughts were? I sort of mixed mixed thoughts about it because I was sort of surprised and then I was happy about it because I hated cardio. Um, so I thought maybe it was going Fair. to be a good thing and I always knew that I was actually quite a strong girl. Um, growing up, um, my parents had sort of manual jobs and sometimes after school we'd go and help them um, finish their jobs because they ran their own business. Um, so just doing things, lifting things, I would always felt like growing up I was actually quite a strong girl. 
um, played a lot of netball growing up, a lot of sports. So yeah, I did. I did. It didn't scare me to think oh, I'm not going to be able to lift the weights. I never thought that. I, I, in some ways, I was sort of happy about it because I thought I'd rather do that than cardio. And even though I hadn't tried it before, I just automatically sort of just had a feeling that I would be okay at it. Um, so there any, was... Well, sorry, just sorry to interrupt, but any thoughts on what it might, what effect it might have on your body? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think I remember saying something to you about how I didn't want to look like a boy. I do remember you saying that. Yeah. Do you remember my response? Um, so I think you said something about how it would take a lot more than just lifting weights. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> yes. But yeah, and I think at the time as well, I also had concerns about how my body shape was going to change and um, how I, I didn't want it to change out of proportion and that sort of thing. So I was always, um, uh, anybody can go back and look at my before photos and even photos now I post, I'm quite top-heavy person. So even though I'm in proportion, because I do still have solid legs, um, I carry all my weight on my sort of hips up, um, the majority of my weight. So that was always a concern for me. So obviously when I met you, Matt, I was very sort of apple-shaped um, in terms of my upper body and everything. So yes. I was concerned that I know always had quite... Um, I was always big chested, so then I always I also was concerned that if I lost all of that, then I would look funny. Um, and yeah, I remember you telling me that you know you can't control where the weight's going to come off. We just have to go with it. And just but, be glad that it does. Yeah, well that's right. But I think that's also the reason why you said that um, that that's why the weight training was such a good option because it is going to help um, change my body shape in the most flattering way. All right, so I've gone into my archives on the computer and I have pulled up Courtney's first ever weight training program. So at the time, because uh, even this is, this is like end of 2012, start of 2013, mm. right? Even then, as, as we do now, before you give anyone a training program, you have to... I suppose you say run some diagnostics on on their history in terms of their previous training experience, uh, as well as, and you'll get this one, Courtney, in any of our clients listening will get this, uh, the tool we have called metabolic classification. Yes. Uh, when we classify our clients, it gives us a very, very good starting point. And often that starting point is with someone's exercise to start them on less than they think. Because how common is it, you know, to get pretty excited about getting into the gym, getting into a weight loss program, and we're going to go to the gym eight days a week. <laughs> Courtney's first program I started her on was two days a week of weight training. Uh, oof, there goes the sparkling water. Two days a week of intense cardio, and a couple of days a week of just less intense activity. So like, you know, walking. But I also understood that at the time, Courtney's work, because she worked in hospitality and was on her feet for pretty much, what, six, seven, eight hours a shift? Um, Sometimes longer. Minimum, yeah. Yeah, minimum. That also served for a lot of, you know, less intense movement. Mm. But in terms of the intense stuff, two weights, two cardio. That was it. Real simple. 
Uh, so I had Courtney still use the treadmill and use those cardio machines in the gym, but showed her, you know, how to actually use them in an effective way. So rather than walk on them for an hour at a time, let's pick up the pace and just see how much intensity we can pack into a 30 minute session at most. Mm. Which you took to rather well. Yes, I must absolutely. say. I, I, my suspicion, and you told me if I'm wrong, but I always assumed that you were happy just to get it over and done with faster. 100%. Even though it was harder, because there were times I'd go into the gym to see other clients and I'd see you on the treadmill and you were busting your ass. Yeah. Like you were, you were racking up a bit of a sweat and going for it, which obviously is not comfortable. No. But no. I, my assumption is that you liked it being over pretty quickly. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the two days of weight training now, what I, what I used to do um, when I used to train people face to face, which I don't often do that much anymore, if at all, uh, is I would bring people in to do an assessment session. So an assessment session with a client for me would involve bringing them in. I'd have in my mind uh, a series of exercises that I wanted to see them do just to see you know, how their bodies respond to it, how they take to the movement early on. So then I would know, have I picked the right exercises or do I need to regress the exercises or do I need to progress the exercises because this person can handle it a little bit more challenging. So Courtney comes in um, and I, if memory serves correct, your, your assessment day was pretty much, we started with leg day. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yep. Uh, so Courtney's leg day at the time, I tested her out on four different leg exercises. We had the barbell squat, the, well, not, not barbell at the time, but a body weight split squat, which was a favorite of yours, I do recall. Yeah. But it's since actually become a favorite of yours because of how good it is to your legs. Yes. Gave you a crack at the barbell stiff-legged deadlift. Yes. And then we used the standing calf press. Yes. To get some flexion and extension there through the calves and the ankles. Now... I, that there, well, those exercises there, that can be a pretty complex leg day for anyone. Even now, a leg day like that would sort you out. Oh, yeah. Would sort me out too. Now, the reason I gave this as a bit of an assessment to Courtney, even though she was a complete beginner, was simply because I could see it. I could see how she was handling it, and we can get that feedback and make that happen. Now, you might think to yourself, in this, you know, fast forward now, it's 2018. Well, how the fuck can this possibly happen given that pretty much the personal training industry now is gradually moving online? We have. Mm. Most of our clients now don't live anywhere near us. So how do you do, how do, you do that online? Well, if Courtney right now was, on, was an online client of mine, or if I was an online client of hers, video goes a long way, doesn't it? Yeah. Goes an awful long way. But at the time... Seeing Courtney perform it with my own two eyes made things a lot easier to assess. Now, I do recall, and I'm sure you do as well, Courtney, that first leg day of yours was challenging. Yes. And you may have felt it a few days after. Oh, yeah. Definitely pulled up quite sore after that. And then for Courtney's uh, upper body day, we just kept it to, again, some complex movements that I was you know, seeing how she could handle it. 
So we tried the barbell deadlift because the barbell deadlift can can probably can be slotted on a leg day, on an upper body day, or if we're doing three days a week of weights, can also be um, slotted in on a back day. Yes. Very versatile exercise. We did the barbell deadlift, the barbell bench press, the barbell shoulder press, the seated cable row, and the favorite assisted dip machine. Because mm. as a beginner, you weren't doing full body dips. <laughs> can no barely chance. still do full body dips. I'll stop. Yes, you can. <laughs> Please. So same thing again, some pretty complex movements there that involve quite a bit of coordination and quite a bit of practice because weight training is a skill. Yes. But again, I was able to watch what she was doing so could easily see with my own two eyes how she was handling things and get that feedback. Now, at the time, if Courtney was really, really struggling to get these movements down because a bit of, bit of insight here from a trainer's perspective... You never start a new client on anything approaching heavy weights. If you're a trainer and you do that, you are what I call a fucking idiot. Now, a rule that I've always had is that if I haven't seen someone train personally, I treat them like a beginner. Mm. Because I'd rather treat them like a beginner and accelerate their progress than go, hello, here's a 120 kilo overweight client. I'm going to get her to do box jumps on day one. Oh, wait, no, I won't because I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> now, if Courtney had come in and she had struggled with even just the basic movement patterns of these, like really, really struggled, I would have looked for regressions. So easy regression, for example, let's say the barbell squat. Courtney, if your squats... Actually, I'll phrase this as a question. If you had struggled with the barbell squats... What do you think the regression would have been? Bodyweight squats. Oh, but I mean, so, yeah, okay, let me rephrase the question. If you couldn't even do bodyweight squats oh. very well. Oh, a leg press. Exactly, exactly. You regress to the leg press. Because a leg press, whilst being a very effective piece of machinery, does not require the complex coordination and posture that a squat does. Uh, supported. Exactly, supported. So it's a, it's a lot more back-friendly too if you've got prone-to-back problems. Uh, and again, posture is, yeah. is a real big one. Now, let's say you've got the barbell bench press, which, as I've learned over time, is a specialty exercise of yours. Yes. Just for the record, for your information, Courtney is freakishly strong in the upper body for a female where to the point where I've seen her outlift males in the gym on exercises like bench press and shoulder press. So you do have unusual upper body strength. However, Courtney, what do you think would have been a regression if your bench press was, shall we say, awful? Just the barbell or the whole movement? Both. The whole movement? The whole movement. Well, there's other chest uh, style exercises you can do. There's uh, different varieties of even bench press. Yep. So you could go to a decline bench press or an incline bench press. Um, alternatively, you could go to maybe like something like a cable fly. As a repla um, in replacement of a bench press, I personally wouldn't. What I would have done if you struggled with the bench press, we would have gone back to the chest press machine. 
Oh, that's right. They make those now, don't they? Yeah. So a lot of a lot of gyms will have uh, pin machines, pin-loaded yeah. pin load, pin machines. Now, any experienced gym goer may scoff at those machines. Let me tell you, they are bloody fantastic. Yeah. Even like now, if you're advanced, they still have their purpose. But if you're working with someone who's a real beginner in the gym, they are brilliant. Well, the thing is that the the, the thing with a dumbbell or a barbell uh, bench press is that the you're having to stabilize yourself. Um, a lot of the, 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 the trickiness in, that, in the beginning of that exercise is learning the coordination and keeping yourself stable and Keep keeping the bar stable and keeping your posture stable. Mm. And all of that can be quite tricky. So the thing that the pin-loaded bench press machine takes away is having to focus on keeping the actual bar or dumbbell steady because they're fixed. The handles are fixed. So that part you don't have to worry about. So then you can just focus on your posture and you can just focus on the movement. So by taking away that one sort of um, um, variable, it makes the process uh, of learning the movement easier. It also helps with those, with those machines, helps you to learn to engage the right muscles. Correct, yeah. Well, you're not focusing so much on a lot of the time if you are unsteady with that movement, all of your mind and effort and energy and focus goes to focusing on keeping the bar steady and you and you don't focus on anything else. So by taking that away, you then do have the ability to focus on the muscles that are being used, the making sure that you can feel that your posture is locked in, that sort of stuff. Without compromising the intensity. Mm. So I, I've had clients in the past where they spent entire, like their entire first 12-week program purely on machines mm. just to learn how to how to train with intensity and how to engage their, their the, t- the muscles we're trying to target without overloading them with too much complexity early on so really there really is no one size fits all approach here it is literally a case by case basis in the case of Courtney she was unusually coordinated unusually strong and I, I remember one of the first things I, I said to you, Courtney was, are you sure you've never done this before? I remember that, yeah. Because I was shocked that a complete weights rookie could take to this stuff so well. But that, like, that's that's one in a million, in my experience. Now, Courtney did this routine: two days weights, two days cardio. Uh, we tracked it for the first month, and you did very well. Mm. Uh, you would do the occasional workouts with one of your brothers. Yes. I do recall. Uh, and you would uh, do your intense cardio sessions. You were pretty comfortable with those uh, in the gym. Yes. And things were humming along quite well. I recall coming to you and having the conversation saying like, look, I think you're ready and can handle a third day of weights. Yes. Now, I just want to be clear here. Bringing that option in by increasing someone's training, you do not do lightly. No. Now... The anyone who gets excited about the gym could go, oh, more more exercise, excellent. Can be, can be excellent if we're if we've got the right reasoning to do it. So the reasoning I had at the time, because admittedly, me putting you up, Courtney, from two days a week of weights to three is faster than I usually do for most people. A lot faster. Mm. I've had some people wait six, nine, twelve months mm. for that. 
Yeah, well, that's why there's, there's no there's no right or wrong with it. I mean, no. it's an individual thing. No, and one of the uh, the rules is you always match their exercise to their nutrition. Yes, I just use the N word, <laughs> nutrition, the thing that no one pays attention to with their with oh, their, that, with their oh, exercise and weight loss. Yeah, that thing. So Courtney was um, was taking to things rather well and was feeding her body more than adequately. Your energy levels were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Your strength was going up. You were clearly taking to things quite well. So it, it's like, you know what? I think, I think she can handle this. And a lot of this stuff with us as trainers is instinctive. Yeah. So I, my gut feeling as an experienced professional was that I think she can handle one more day of weights. The thing is, when you add that extra day, you're not just going, oh, well, you know, ooh, faster results. You're increasing the need for recovery, increasing the need for adequate nutrition, increasing the need for things like hydration, sleep. Because there is a fine line between doing just the right amount of the right type of exercise and going over the top. You go too far over the top and nothing's going to change. Yes. Trust me, I know that from experience. And I have a suspicion you might know that too because it's very common for people with goals of ours to just get really into doing as much exercise as possible and then we burn out because nothing changes. Mm. Now, I had that conversation with you and you were for it. I actually thought you were going to push back. But you were all for it. So the change that I made was going from a two-day weight split to a three-day split. So all I did was, and there's multiple ways you can do this, but the easy way that I did it was I just split up Courtney's upper body day. So she was originally doing upper and lower on separate days. We've now changed it to what we call in the industry, push-pull legs. A day of pushing exercises, a day of pulling exercises, and a day of legs. Yes. So all we did was introduce a separate back day and a separate chest day. So we expanded, well, I expanded Courtney's uh, upper body. So her chest day was the barbell bench press. We then brought in the incline barbell bench press because yes, it is a bench press, but once you change the angle on the bench, you change the movement pattern and the recruitment pattern of the muscles being used. It's a different exercise, which I'm sure you, Courtney, can attest to because you can't do the same weight on incline as you can flat. Mm. We did the, uh, the cable crossover slash cable flies which you took to rather well. Mm. Uh, kept the shoulder press and kept the dips, where your back day was the barbell deadlift, the lat pull down, the seated cable row. We had the, uh, the single arm dumbbell row and everyone's favorite, bicep curls yes. in the squat rack, <laughs> like a wanker. Am I right? Yes. Do you recall at the time how it felt for you going up from two days a week a waste of three? Um, I don't really recall it being that bad the only thing that um i ended up struggling with as we went along was the fact that i had deadlifts on back day and then quite a heavy leg day yep and so used to dread dread like used to get over leg day and think oh yeah that was all right you know done now hardest thing of the week is done and then you'd remember that i had deadlifts on back day yeah, so there, what you would do is, you know, obviously you monitor someone and their recovery and how they're feeling. And if you need to, you can change up the, um, the days that you're doing certain 
sessions. Movements, yeah. 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 You can also then also move exercises around. Yeah. But no, in terms of just going to the three days, um, yeah, I don't remember it being that big of a problem. No. And as we've learned over time, because with Courtney, we've experimented on two days, three days, and four days a week of weights. Yes. What would you say is the sweet spot for you in terms of your weight training? Three. Three? Why is that? Three. Uh, three just seems to work really well for me. I think that um, two is obviously fine as well, but two, I always just feel like I could be doing a little bit more. I've just got that little bit of extra um, in my tank to give. And then with four, four I find just um, drains me too far. So I wasn't recovering well enough um, to be able to get in the cardio exercise as well as the weights um you know if it was just the full weight training a week then i always had the energy in the tank for that but then trying to fit in the cardio around that i found that um i just didn't have the tank for it and my uh cardio sessions were um not as good as they should have been my recovery in general wasn't as good as it should have been so i find with three is a happy medium where i am pushing as hard as I can to the point in my weights where I feel like at the end of the week, I literally have no more to give. I'm definitely sore, but I can still recover in time for the next workout. And I'm able to get my cardio sessions in that I need to get in, in between those three weight training sessions and give 100% on those. Now, that we just spoke about was a bit of a breakdown on, on your first program that's mm. just one 12 week program we've sort of broken down there mm. how many of those do you think you've done in that time oh i don't know i never even thought about it countless because yeah. you, you can get in three to four per year yeah so you've done quite a few so in the interest of this episode not going for 10 hours and, and 85 minutes oh, we're not going through every single we're program. not going to go through every single one um but just as a bit of a bit of an interesting note for, for your, your good self listening. I've now just opened up Courtney's second ever 12-week program, uh, training program, just to illustrate some slight changes that were made. Mm. So Courtney's first 12-week program was fantastic, had a good result, responded well to it. And what you often find with a lot of people on their weight loss journeys from, from a trainer's perspective if someone is doing something that's working, don't change it too much. Well, you're not changing it for the sake of changing it. I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong, where they change things for just for the sake of it. When if it's, as you said, Matt, if, you, if it's working, maybe change a little bit of it, but you don't have to change the whole thing. Yeah. So on, I applied that logic to Courtney's second ever training program, where there was only a, some subtle adjustments that were made. So on chest day, we changed your decline barbell, sorry, your incline barbell bench press to a decline. Hmm. So from an upwards angle to a downwards angle, which again changes the movement patterns and changes the, 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 the coordination required on the movement. We also uh, went to the standing shoulder press. Yes. Standing dumbbell shoulder press, which is way, way, way harder than a seated shoulder press. Yes. As you can, I'm sure, attest to. Yes. On your back day, we changed from the single arm dumbbell row to the single arm cable row. Mm. 
So cable row, dumbbell row, you might think not much of a difference. There is. The, uh, the, the, you, I'm sure you can back me up on this one. The other feeling of the cable row versus a dumbbell row is different because the cable's always wanted to pull you back. Correct. Always. There's always that, that resistance there all the way through, even when you're sort of at the bottom of the movement. And just like anything else, you change the angle. So your cable row, you're obviously having to keep your posture upright and um, not sway too much. And then with a single arm dumbbell row, you're obviously bent over a bench and you're trying to, again, keep your body straight, but in that bent over um, angle. So just like a, a bench press, you can change the angle, you change um, the feeling of the movement. And we also went from the, um, the barbell bicep curls to the cable bicep curl. Mm. which is a very much a different feel from the barbell curl because with the barbell curl, it's easy to cheat. Yes. As we see all the bloody time. Yes. When we go to the gym, it's people cheating and swinging up a weight that's clearly too heavy, resting it at the top or resting it at the bottom. But with the cable, because it's constant tension, there's no, there's no room to rest. Mm-hmm. It's always wanting to make your muscles work. Yes. The, uh, the other adjustment we made was on leg day. Mm. We went from the, um, the barbell split squat to the rear block split squat. Could you please give us an explanation on what that is? Oh, so the, the uh, regular split squat is just on the floor. So your feet are on the floor. And then you've obviously got two variations, well, probably more than two, but um, two variations we, we tend to work with. There's two main variations. Which is which is a back block or a front block. So the back block is probably the, the main variation that we go to more often, which is having a block. So you could use like a step-up block and you put it at the back and then that is what your back foot goes onto and then your front foot stays on the floor. Yeah, so the back foot's elevated. Mm. Now, can you describe how that feels versus doing a regular floor split squat? Oh, it's a lot harder. If you ever change to this variation, put the weight down first. How, in what because way is it harder? It is harder because your back foot is obviously raised. So your the depth you have to go to then is increased. So you're going deeper into the movement. To increase range of motion. So by going deeper into the movement, you're the you're increasing the difficulty. So it is a lot harder. And you definitely would not be doing the same sort of weight that you do on a regular split squat on a split squat with um, with a block. And did you find it that much harder yourself? Oh, yeah. I find those really difficult. Still do? Oh, yeah. Very difficult. Very difficult. Now, just just the interesting thing to note here is that these changes were made from program to program, not week to week. No. A big mistake that I see a lot of people make in the gym is going into with their weight training to quote unquote mix it up every week or two. The problem you've got there, especially if you're new to this stuff, is that you don't get good at anything Mm. and you don't develop your strength at anything. So the variations that we make and that I've made with Courtney have been on a program by program basis and, and that's not always the case. Sometimes that's an if, if we actually change anything. Often, Courtney, your programs have actually gone through for a good six or nine months. Yeah, sometimes I haven't changed anything. Just to get better at certain movements and keep getting stronger at certain movements. Yes. 
So there's no real right or wrong in terms of how long you wait to change someone's or change your own sort of program and, and progress things and vary things, but I think you can you can go too soon. Yeah. And vary things too soon. Now, let's bring this forward a bit. Uh, you're training at the moment now in 2018, Courtney. Can you just give us a breakdown? How many days of weights do you, a week do you do at the moment? Three. Three? Yes. Which is exactly where you started pretty much. Yes, I'm back to where I started. <laughs> but that, again, that feels the best for you. It does. Uh, how many days a week at the moment are you doing intense cardio? Two. That's it. What do you normally do for your intense cardio sessions? Well, I try to keep them always a little bit different so I'm not getting good at just one thing. So I will sometimes go... Why is that? Because once I get good at something, then it becomes easy. Which means? My body's not working hard enough. So even I'm giving that movement 100% of my effort and I'm just going for like, you know, the 30 minutes or whatever, it's still not going to be the same amount of energy I'm going to put out if I was doing 100% of effort on a movement that I'm not good at. Mm. So I tend to mix things up so I don't get good at just one thing. So if I ran the same trail all the time, that trail would become easier and easier. And the only way to make it harder would be to do more laps of it. Yeah. Which then is increasing the time frame that I'm working out, which doesn't make any sense to me. So I do try to mix it up. So I will go for maybe like, um, so you do mix your cardio up? I do mix my cardio up. So we've got hill runs. Um, sometimes I do hill runs outside. Sometimes I will do... There's a, a running track that's got... Uh, here in Melbourne that's got a whole bunch of steps into it in sort of the side of a mountain. Um, so sometimes I'll do that running track. It's about a kilometre just to get to the steps. And then there's a thousand steps. Actually, I don't know if there's a thousand steps realistically or not. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's, it's called the thousand steps, so it should be a thousand steps. And then you come, I come all the way down. Sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I'll go to the gym and um, do sort of the stepper machine there. But if I'm going to go to the gym and do cardio, I'll very rarely do all half hour on the one machine. I'll tend to mix it up. So last week I did a cardio session in the gym where I did a mixture of the cross trainer machine the stepping machine and the um, rowing machine. Good old-fashioned Stairmaster. Yeah. So I do try to mix it up and do at least two or three different machines um, while I'm at the gym, just so, you again, that I don't get one bored on the same machine. Um, and if I think if you get bored doing cardio, you're not going to give it the best effort that you should be giving it. So that's why I find mixing it up for me is better. Um, so that's my cardio. How long do your, your sessions go for, your cardio sessions? 30 minutes. Same as when you first started. Yes. Not a second longer. <laughs> They're timed to the second. Do you find that your quality's improved over the years? Oh, yeah, it's definitely improved. Definitely improved over the years. The ability to, as well, just be able to judge my body and judge to know that I've got more in me. Um, just little things like that, you do get better at picking up those signs. Would you say that's a reward that you got for consistency? Yeah, definitely. What have you noticed with your with your weight training? How you've improved there over the years? Well, obviously, I've got stronger. Um, I was 
pretty lucky in the beginning, as you said, Matt, to have quite good coordination for the fact that I hadn't done these sort of movements before. One of your sporting background helped with that, being an netballer. Yeah, it probably did um, in to some respect. But, I mean, I, I played netball, a lot of netball um, over the years. So, um, but I think that it's helped. It, it, my, just my knowledge of exercises over the years has gone up. I think knowing my body, knowing how the exercises feel on my body, um, knowing the difference between sore and sore, you know what I mean? Like I think that that what do you mean? That is something that as you go along, you you learn. So even when I speak to clients now in the gym, and they'll say, "Oh, that hurts." Now, when you say that hurts, there's two different so- kinds of that hurts. There's there's two different so- kinds of sore. You know, there's there's that sore, and then that's sore so that you're obviously going to get muscle soreness that's the point of lifting weights um but there's a difference between muscle soreness and i feel like if i keep doing this movement i'm really going to hurt myself i'm going to injure myself yeah yeah so there's sore and then there's sore so you learn that over time and it's just about becoming more present and listening to your body and i think that's one thing growing up i never did you never stopped to think about how does my body feel on this and it's the same sort of philosophy I take with my nutrition as well, that you have to sometimes be able to just stop and think, okay, how does this feel? You know, you're paying more attention to your body and how it's functioning, how it's feeling, how it's moving, and you're paying more attention to muscles that, you know, there's some muscles that I never even knew I had and until I started using them and they were sore. So it's just learning more about yourself as you go along. But... Um, that's where, and, and I mean, my, my weight training workouts now are very similar to what they were back In what way? when we started. I've still got two upper body days and a leg day. Mm. So the split, um, you know, is the same as what I did when I started. And as you said, Matt, we have tried other things along the way. We've come back to this because it's what works for me. And as I said, it's no right or wrong. You know, you, you do four weight training, Matt, yep. per week. I do three. Um, there's some other people that we know that do two and yep. may only ever do two because that's do, what works for some them. Some do five. Some do five, you know. So it's, it's all about there's no right or wrong. It has to happen exactly this way. It can't be like that because there's everybody's no one size so different. All. Definitely not. Um, whereas, you know, there's been, some where, there's been some training blocks where I've stopped at 10 weeks instead of going all the way through to 12 weeks. Why? Because I felt like my body was sort of had had enough. It was needing a rest. You cooked. I was cooked, you know. And and most of the time, I when I was on the four day split, I couldn't get past ten weeks. Um, which is a giveaway. Which is a giveaway as well that it was just too much for me. So my uh, leg day currently. Did you want me to say, Matt, what my exercises were? Yeah, was go for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my leg day consists of. Um, what do I start with? Single leg leg press. That's fun. Then I move on to split squats with a black uh, with a back block. Then I do leg extensions machine. Then I do hamstring curls. Yep. And I don't finish off with a core movement because by the time I've done those four exercises, I am cooked with a capital C. You're done. So that is my leg day. Um, then my two other body days, I've got one that's mostly like a, you'd call it more of a back day. So I start with uh, pull-ups 
or chin-ups. I guess so people still call them chin-ups. Same thing. Pull-ups, chin-ups, same thing. Um, then I go on to, just trying to think now, what do I do after that? Oh, rope pulls. Yep. Which is like a cable um, back exercise. Then I move from there on to single arm cable, uh, sim- sorry, single arm dumbbell row, then um, seated cable row. And then we'll do a uh, core exercise to finish. Then on my second upper body day, it sort of acts as a half, um, mostly shoulders and arms, a little bit of chest, um, which Matt, you can explain after mm-hmm. I, this. Um, so I start off with seated uh, barbell shoulder press. Then I move on to, um, what do I move on to after that? Lateral side raise. You forget your own program. Yes, it is lateral side raise. I haven't got it in front of me. Then I move on to curls after that. I actually do hammer grip, dumbbell, bicep curls. Then I move on to bench press. Yeah. See, uh, flat barbell bench press and then a some sort of core style movement after that lately i've been doing um bosu ball push-ups um because it's just something that i would like to get better at so it's a challenge it works my core and and obviously my chest a fun little challenge yeah fun little challenger to finish off something that I don't need to necessarily hit a certain amount of reps on it's just something that I'm practicing to get better at so I try to hit that at the back of um, the end of the workout so you'll notice there that Courtney's flat barbell bench press is just about dead last and I only do one and you do chest one, chest, one, one chest movement now again no right or wrong it comes down to what you want to prioritize so with, with anyone's training program it's not just the, the exercises that you select that make a difference. It's actually the sequencing. So obviously we're human, we're not robots. So we only have so much energy that we can dedicate per training session. So with that, in, with that sort of logic in mind, I'm sure you're not too surprised when I say that you're going to have better performance on the first you know, two or so exercises of a training session than you will the last two or three. Yeah. That's normal. There's only so much juice in the tank. So Courtney has gotten so strong through her chest movements. We just don't need to focus on that anymore. We just need to keep that strength where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's what we do. So if Courtney then comes to me in in the future and says, oh, you know, I want to focus back on improving my chest strength again, that barbell bench press goes from the fourth exercise on that day to the first or the second. Yeah. Where you've got more juice in the tank for it. Yeah. So that's where exercise sequencing comes into it, which I hope makes sense. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, I think, I think it gives you an idea that a lot of those exercises are very similar to what I was doing like years ago. It's just variations. But it's just variations, learning over time what suits... I don't do any, you will have noticed as well, I don't do um, much in terms of double leg movements. Um, I've gone to a lot of single leg movements, so with the single leg press and the uh, split squats, um, because I did years and years and years of double leg movements. So being able to switch it up now and to say, okay, let's challenge my legs in a different way. 
Um, and, you know, I was getting to the point where I was lifting so much weight with those double leg movements as well. It puts a lot of strain on your joints. So to be able to then mix it up and strip the weight right back and then do single leg movements, um, it's challenging my legs in a different way without pounding my joints all the time. But also it doesn't compromise the intensity as I'm sure you can attest to. No, definitely not. So yeah, they're all things as well that just listening to your body over time, you're able to sort of pick up on. I think with you as well, you probably agree that you're, even though you might say you run a very similar routine to when you first started, Years ago, the quality is through the roof by comparison. Oh, the quality is so much better. Yeah. Which, I, which in, from my mind and my perspective, that is a reward of consistency. Yes. That's what you get for sticking with it and not giving up. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. You agree with that? Oh, 100%. 100%. So where do you think, from, from just what you're feeling, and I actually don't know the answer to this, this is a good question to ask, where do you think your training might go towards the rest of this year? Or will it stay where it is, you think? What's your gut feeling? My gut feeling is that I think the um, the sort of baseline of what I've set out now is where I'll probably stay for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of one or two exercises might come in or out. But in terms of the actual... Um, overall structure I think that it's a really good structure it's suiting me my recovery is really good and I think that in terms of shape's improving. my shape's improving um, and I just don't feel as I said before earlier if something's working there's really no reason to mess with it yeah, if it ain't broke don't um, fix it so I think that in terms you know, of yeah my, the, the overall structure I've got now will be kept yeah, um, but from now and definitely until the end of the year. And then um, we obviously are away at the end of the year, Matt. And mm-hmm. then when we come back from holidays, um, I'll, I'll have a look at it again and then we'll go from there. Just assess and lay, yeah. out, lay out the new plan. Definitely, but so, there's no reason to change it between now and the end of the year. All right, so we'll uh, get towards putting the bow on this one. What would you say you've learned uh, over the years about training intensity, training, like, you know, selection, structuring, etc. What have you learned that has really helped you over the years with this? Um, I think a couple of things. So one would be probably just like stepping outside my comfort zone. Um, you've often in these sort of situations, you just got to step outside your comfort zone and try new things um, and learn to get better at things. You know, you're not going to be great at everything to begin with. Um, so you just have to step outside your comfort zone and learn to learn new things, if that makes sense. Um, that was always a big thing for me because I like to be good at things. So I don't Everyone like does. to be not good at things. And I think, yeah, I think that that does go for a lot of people. So um, that was a big one for me. I think definitely um, changing up my cardio and not relying on the same form has been really big for me because definitely, as I said, if I'm bored, Doing, doing a cardio, if I'm bored, I'm not going to work hard, um, as hard as I should. And if I get good at something, then I'm not going to work as hard as I should. So definitely changing up, um, constantly changing up my cardio has been um, good for me. Um, I think also in terms of my, um, oh damn, I was just going to say something else and I just lost my train of thought. Excellent. No. <laughs> what have I learnt? Um, oh, listen to your body. So that's been a massive one for me, even just over the past couple of years. I'd say in the past two years, 
really listen to your body and this this you can really take with you to your nutrition side of things as well but in terms of what we're talking about today which is the workouts just listen to your body listen to how it's pulling up you know you might have a really fantastic workout and you might not pull up that sore that doesn't necessarily mean that you did something wrong you or know didn't go hard. you didn't go hard enough um just on you know on the other hand you learning the difference between sore and sore um just listening to your body feeling the movement you know not just doing the movement because it's something you've got to do actually take the time during the movement to really focus on what you're doing and think about the muscles you're moving and how they're attracting and what that feels like because that's just knowledge and it's just going to make you lift better it's going to make you a safer weightlifter as well um you see a lot of people that just walk into the gym and they're like on autopilot they don't stop to think about things they're not writing anything down they're just jumping from exercise to exercise no focus they're not focusing on what they're doing they would have no idea if they're doing the exercise right or not deep down they've got no idea if they're activating the right muscles they're just doing the movement um and that's really not what you want you want to be able to take the time to actually do the exercise Think about what you're doing. Think about the muscles that you're trying to activate and and getting to know your body that way. It doesn't come overnight. It took me years to develop the ability to be able to retract my, my shoulder blade and actually really feel my lat engaging. You know, it doesn't some, just some particular movements have taken me a really long time to get, but stick with it. It doesn't mean you're necessarily doing anything wrong. Sometimes it's just that, that muscle to mind sort of connection that you have to well, learn to develop. Weight training is absolutely a skill. Yeah. There's a reason why weightlifting is an Olympic event. It absolutely. Is, it is a skill, and one that must be learned. And even though I said that Courtney, you know, really took to this stuff well at the start, that's not to say there's been things that she's not struggled with. There's been exercises that you found very, very difficult. Uh, yeah. The single arm lat pull down comes to mind. That yeah. exercise blows you up. Yeah, I'm not very good at it. I think it took me a really long time, as I said, to be able to actually feel like I can engage my lat um, and not just squeeze my shoulder blade. Like they're two very different things. So it's um, there's certain movements and certain feelings that, that muscles give you that has taken me a really long time to develop. Hamstring exercises was really hard for me. Um, I could do the movement, but I could never really engage my hamstrings the way that I should be. But I just didn't have that that connection with the, my muscle to be able to sort of switch it on. Um, so that sort of connection, that sort of stuff takes time. And, you know, just be patient with it, but take the time during your movements to really focus on what you're doing and listen to your body because it's the best way you're going to learn. Well, I reckon that's a wrap. Yeah, I hope it's helped. Well, if it hasn't, we just complain if to you. If it hasn't, I'd probably have stopped listening by now. But those of you who <laughs> are still listening, you um, have obviously found it helpful. So um, that's excellent. Um, definitely send through any questions that you might have related to exercise, exercise programming. You can send your questions to podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Or you can private message us through our Facebook page, which is just the Weight Loss Podcast. Yes. Now, we uh, we do have an email this week, but it's a big one. I'm going to save it for the next one. Okay. We'll it's, leave more time. It's, it's a, yeah, we will need more time for that one. So on that note, although podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where we love to get feedback from you, so please feel free to get in touch with us. 
That's that's us. We're done. Time to go. Bye. Bye. Get more free tips. Listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.